Hey, y'all. Welcome to Carmichael Radio. This is a podcast about Carolina women's basketball. My name is Travis Lund. I am here with Anthony Battle. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ms. Terry Stacker. Good morning. From Indiana, Andrew Kujera. Good to be here. And we are unfortunately down Max Linky today. He is under the weather, but we will carry on without him. It's game week, y'all. Let's go. Let's go. Finally, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Season is here. Um, Quick little wrap-up of preseason stuff ahead of time. Uh, The Heels played some preseason secret scrimmages, as everybody does. A couple of them were good. Last one against UCLA, not so good. Lost by five. But then again, Corey Close has a good squad out there, and they are number four in the country for a reason. So, not too worried about anything. Um, we do have a little bit of an inside line on some of the lineups that were used in some of these uh, because Max knows people. Uh, and I am a little unclear on what we could realistically dispose about that uh, just from a journalistic ethics point of view. But um, safe to say, I hope anybody who has to play this team this year has their cardio on point. <laughs> Um, we got some of those lineups he was sending us, man. That is, that is speed. Speed. That is speed. At every position. Every position. Y'all pardon that. I apparently cannot hold a phone and work a board at the same time. Um, all right. So we are tipping off Wednesday night in Carmichael, 7 p.m., uh, if you cannot make it there in person, unfortunately, uh, this game will be on ACC Network Extra. That is not ACC Network, y'all. Um, it's one of those things you have to play ESPN, a buttload of additional money for ESPN Plus to access. Although it might be, I checked, I did not see anything yet. It might be on a local channel somewhere if you are in the area. Tipping off the season against the running Bulldogs of Gardner-Webb. Uh, a couple things to note about them. Uh, they are coming off an incredibly good year last year. They went 29-5, and perfect in the A-10 conference. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, Big South Conference. Getting ahead of myself. A-10 is where Davidson plays. That is our second matchup this week. Um, they had a real good year, uh, and almost nothing from that year is coming back. Uh, They have a brand new head coach named Scott Merritt. He was formerly associate head coach at Wisconsin. Uh, Their former head coach who had been there for a couple of years, Alex Simmons, who you may remember from Pat Summit's last two title teams at Tennessee as a player, took the Memphis job. Uh, And Scott Merritt uh, is a new head coach. Uh, He has hired a staff of also young assistants, and uh, they have a whole whopping two people coming back from last year. So, new coaching staff, young coaching staff, not a lot of experience, and basically an entirely new roster. So, um, I checked some interviews out. Uh, They do want to play small and fast if they can, um, according to him. But, again, uh, this is kind of like taking somebody who's only driven automatic cars their whole lives and dropping them into a stick shift car in Europe where they drive on the other side of the road. Like, he's... He knows basketball, but everything about this situation is new for them, so I'm not real sure what to expect out of that. Um, what is it? Y'all, these are early games. And, you know, if, if 
Carolina loses, something has gone catastrophically horribly wrong. <laughs> but other than getting out of them injury-free, please, Lord, <laughs> what are y'all looking for out of this? What, what do we want to see as far as um, we're just looking for growth from some of the folks that are coming back? We're looking for fit with the new pieces. What, if you if you had to make a wish list, I know we're in between Halloween and Christmas, but if, if we're asking Santa for what we want out of these early games, what are y'all thinking? I want to see Coach Coach Payne Hart lineups. I'm curious to see uh, how she would just um, put players in positions to be successful. Um, I would like to see us be at the three. I think um, I had read, I had listened to her interview, and she was saying something about, you know, she had worked on her three ball this summer, so that's going to be a big thing. Um, hopefully, she can, you know, shoot a high percentage from there, and and that big lineup that I anticipate will be uh, something pretty to look at. Yeah, same. I, I want to see the lineups that she used. Um, I want to see the growth uh, that some of the, the players made this offseason. Like, how did they expand their game? What did they work on? Um, I want to see the chemistry. We have eight new players. Um, two of those new players will not be playing this year, but I, I want to see the chemistry with the team. Of course, this is the first game, so there may be, you know, a lot of turnovers, uh, hopefully not, though, but we may see, you know, a high turnover game as they learn, like, uh, where each player, you know, likes to be on the floor. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the chemistry and the growth um, that the players made this summer in the offseason. Absolutely. Andrew, I know you and me had talked um, that that warmed my heart when Lissa said that at ACC Media Days about having worked on her outside shot, because I know you and I had had a talk about this a couple of weeks ago that, that would help spacing if she were pulling more from behind the arc, um, even if she could get her percentages up just a little bit. Do you have anything, because you're the the scheme guy uh, among us here, do you have anything specifically that you're looking for or interested to see how it plays out over these first couple of games? Um, I would say more so than, you know, whether uh, Courtney wants to go big or if she wants to go small. Uh, I'm really interested to see how deep into the bench that she goes. You know, is she going to play eight? Is she going to nine? play nine? Is she going to play 10? And just kind of see, you know, who maybe fits best in that second unit. Uh, that's probably what I'm most interested to see. Whether we go big or small, I don't think it really matters. Uh, if rumors are true and Alyssa does bump up, not only like the percentage would be great, but also her volume of attempts. And if UNC is actively like looking to get her those shots within the flow of the offense, that's an interesting dynamic that we didn't see last year. Um, and then you have, you know, the wild cards like Tiani Key, uh, who put in a lot of work in the offseason too. We don't know what she'll look like. And then all of the new transfers. Um there's a lot of moving pieces that we really don't know what they're going to look like yet. Um, I will say the two teams that we are playing in the early part of the schedule here, um, they really don't play a similar style to a lot of the teams in the ACC, at least offensively. Um, I will say they do both do a lot of switching and they got absolutely pounded on like those high low like duck in looks uh particularly i think the the utah game for was it gardner webb uh 
I mean, they just went high, low every single time because they kept switching every screen. Um, so if you are looking for like a X Factor standout, uh, I think Gakdang and Key and Anya Pool, I think, are going to have some really big games to open up the year. Uh, that'd be good to see. Um, it's, it's, I mean, Key and Gakdang, um, one thing that I really, d- I hope that we see more from Anya this year is when she gets an entry pass, just going straight up. She's developed this thing where she puts it on the deck a couple of times um, after she catches it that um, sometimes she needs that for positioning, but it, it. I would love to see her just catch and go right up because she's she's big and strong enough to, to take care of most people down there um, if she gets it in. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice if we had some, some posts and saw them do some work early because obviously that's kind of been one of our Achilles heels these past couple of years is just not a lot of size and depth down there. So that'd be good to see. Um, do, you think it's, do you think it's a lack of confidence? Is it a lack of confidence or is it a style of play? I mean, I don't want to uh, speak to that. Um we can't be in their their heads really. Yeah. Um but I it just it just seems like and there's some possessions where it's like, oh, okay, I, I get why you did that. You needed to move this defender or you need to get your hip in there and and get a little bit deeper in the paint. But like it feels like if she just went up a couple of times. So I did I, I don't know whether it was lack of confidence or whether it was just saying, you know, hey, I do not just catch a turnaround. I can, you know, I can handle a little bit. Um, but we'll see what shakes with that. Um, and obviously she'll have some, as Andrew said, some some time against some not great uh, defensive posts to, to workshop a little bit here. Um, Gardner-Webb, as far as players to watch out for, um, Merritt said he was going to be leaning on uh, senior Michaela Funderburk. Um, she is not particularly um, a fulcrum of their team last year. She only clocked 17 minutes a game, did start a whole lot, but she is uh, the basically the only senior experienced player left from any of the previous rosters. Um, and she does, she's a little streaky, but uh, she will pull from behind the arc and she's got some range and is not afraid to shoot. So they at least need to watch out for that on the perimeter. They did pick up a Juco transfer uh, from Cypress College, Ashley Hawkins. Um, she was very, very good last season, averaged 23 points a game, uh, shot 43, close to 44% from the floor, and averaged close to eight boards. Um, so. That's someone to watch out for. I would imagine that that might be uh, someone they'd want to put Lexi on as a primary assignment just because she appears to be their most potent offensive threat right now. Um, let's see here. What else we got? Um, yeah, um, he. I watched this interview. He said basically they're still doing everything by committee right now, which I would imagine will probably be the case for them for at least the first month of the year just because – Everything is brand new right now. Um, so hopefully that will go fairly smoothly. And um, as we said, you know, the posts can get some work in. And we'll see what the guards look like as well, just kind of getting into their rotation. Um, Gardner-Webb said, or at least their coach said, they they want to play fast and aggressive. Uh, okay, 
Y'all have fun trying to do that against this Carolina team. Um, we'll see what shakes out with that. Terry, did you have anything else that you were looking for in specific in regards to this Gardner-Webb matchup here? I think I want to see Deja at the two. I want to see her off the ball. Um, we, ha we have point guards, pure point guards. I know Deja can play the one, but I want to see her off the ball, see how she moves when the ball is not in her hands. I think that could possibly help her shooting percentage this year if she's not playing as much as the one. I mean, excuse me, as much at the one. Uh, so I, I definitely want to see her at the two in these early games. But knowing she's a, she probably considers herself a combo guard. Uh, so I would like to see her at the two. Yeah, I I could not agree more. I There were flashes, and I know it was sort of a, because she was working back from injury and stuff, but some of the past, there was this touch pass that Kayla Mack made running down the floor. There was a loose ball scramble, and she was sprinting after this thing, and with one hand reached out and swatted this skip pass perfectly to list, like through three defenders across the lane. And I they didn't finish the play. They missed the layup. But she showed a couple of flashes like that where I would, if, if Deja's going to play off ball more, um, K-Mac has some some moments of court vision last year that I thought, oh man, if this is, if this becomes consistent, like, especially with her speed and ability to kind of just, you know, stop, start, change gears, really manipulate things, um, that could be quite fascinating to watch. And yeah, I... I would love to see Deja just be like, all right, you know, yes, you know, she can pass, she can lead secondary breaks if needed, but like, go get buckets, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> like her, her, her ability to get to the elbow and hit that jumper basically whenever she wants, no matter who's on her is unstoppable. Her mid range yeah. is unstoppable. Probably I, the best in the game. I'm going to give it to her the best yeah. in the game. You know, she don't get credit a lot on a national um, platform as the other bigger names. But, um, yeah, she has the best mid-range in the game. I, I give her that. I definitely give her that. When I think about that mid-range mid jumper, I just think about DK. Well, and that's such a dying, like, did y'all see this was going around? Um, it might have been for the the WNBA this past season, but somebody was like, here's a shot chart from 20 years ago and a shot chart now across the league. And it was just, there was no mid range. Like the shot chart for 2023 was just like basically within eight feet of the rim. And then behind the arc, like there was nothing lost art from the elbows. That Stephen Curry effect <laughs> pulling up from half court, half court. <laughs> Him and Caitlin. <laughs> well, and the, I mean, I know that, the numbers say those are the most efficient shots to take as far as generating points. Um, but actually, it, Andrew, you're the you're the stat guy. Are 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 those are there any cracks in that argument that threes and layups at the rim are the most effective shots to to take? Is there has there been any kind of pushback on that? You are asking the the question that. Um, Kind of gives analytics a bad name um, because conventional wisdom is, and the way that kind of the game has gone for all levels, but particularly at the NCAA, the NBA, the WNBA level is that all mid-range shots are bad no matter who takes them, uh, no matter what context they're in. That's kind of a 
oversimplification of the data. Um, the reality is, is that yes, that mid-range shot uh, has fallen off for good reason. It is the least, the, the most efficient shots, the data says, are free throws, number one, then shots at the rim, then three-pointers, and then that mid-range area. Um, but a mid-range jumper for Deja Kelly is not the same as a mid-range jumper for Celeste Taylor. Um, because DK shoots it at the percentage in the clip that she does, that is most of the time a good shot for North Carolina. Whether it's the best shot North Carolina can get on a possession, that is a little bit dicier. Um, but Deja is one of the few players in the country that most coaches off the dribble taking a mid-range jumper with a hand in your face at 15 feet. Like, I don't think anyone on UNC staff is, like, discouraging her from taking that shot because she shoots it at such a high percentage. And only a few players in the country are capable of doing that. Um, so to answer your question, yes, that is not all mid-range shots are bad, but only if there's an exceptional player taking them. Um, yeah, like a mid-range jumper for Alyssa Usby is not the same as it is for DK. It's just not. Um, so I hopefully that clears some of that up. It makes a lot of sense. Thank you. I, the, amazingly, uh, listener, context and nuance matter when you're talking about statistics or anything else for that matter. Um. So, all right, moving on. Uh, apologize about the conferences mix up earlier. Uh, Davidson is in the Atlantic 10. Um, coming off not a super great year, they went 14 and 16, uh, 6 and 8 in conference. Um, they've got some good players coming back, um, most notably, um, and there is, I'm, I'm not entirely uh, clarified on what the eligibility rules were for this because Davidson does not have a graduate school. Um, but uh, Rosie Deegan, uh, who joined the Thousand Point Club for Davidson last season, um, averaged 14 points, uh, about six boards, close to three assists a game last year, is coming back somehow for a fifth year. Um, that may be a COVID thing. It also might be an Australian thing to do with her eligibility and um, national team commitments that she has dealt with. Um, Gail Folks, head coach, uh, is uh, going to be leaning on her as a fifth-year senior. Um, she was named uh, preseason third team for the A-10 this season. Um, another biggie that they have uh, is a name that you will be familiar with Carolina fans. Uh, Ellie Sutphin, uh, who played a couple years at NC State before transferring to Davidson uh, in 2021. Uh, she was their leading scorer last season, uh, averaged a little over 16 points and seven boards a game, um, shot 50% from the floor, 88 from the stripe. Uh, she was named uh, A-10 first-team preseason selection this year. Um, so they definitely have some weapons on the floor, uh, despite not a great finish last year. Um, also sporting a transfer uh, who did not play a ton, but does have some uh, experience in knowing what a winning program, winning culture looks like. Uh, Charlize Dunn transferred off of Virginia Tech 
Uh, she was on that Final Four team last year, although did not play a whole ton. Um, but that's another addition to Davidson's roster. Um, again, it's a question of, uh, you know, we're bringing back a lot of experience, uh, but not a great performance last year, so we're not entirely sure what's cooking with that. Um, this is a weird... I was looking at them last night. Uh, between Rosie Deegan and... Uh, Charlize Dunn, uh, they are two of five Australian players on Davidson's roster. Um, now, obviously, Australia has a very, very long and proud history of churning out great women's basketball players, but even so, that seems like an awful lot of Aussies on one NCAA roster at a time, but uh, I guess Gail Folks knows what she's doing. Um, Jen Hoover was like this at Wake, too. She recruited a ton of international players, so... Um, we'll see again, uh, this should not be too much of a tough ask for the heels, but, um, it does present a little bit of a different challenge in that they are going to have a balanced attack and some players who have proven that they can fill up a stat sheet when needed, um, and certainly have, uh, some better posts or at least some more proven posts, uh, so this may be a little bit of a different challenge to us than Gardner-Webb would present. Um, and again, I know we, we won't have context until we see game one of maybe what to expect out of game two here, but uh, these are the two games this week, so we're trying our best to preview what we can based on that. Does anybody have anything that they are looking to see versus Davidson, um, especially with these former ACC players uh, on the roster that Carolina at least will be somewhat more familiar with? I think for me, just more of the same. Um, I think just seeing the lineups and and seeing, again, the growth that our players made um, in the offseason. It should be an easy win. Fingers crossed. <laughs> it should be an easy win. And we just use these um, early games to, to tune up for when we head into the tough part of our schedule when we play some of those ranked teams towards the end of the month. Yeah, that, that gets here faster than than it feels like, especially that tournament that, I mean, in all likelihood, if everything goes chalk, we're going to have to play Iowa and then coming right off that into a whole heater of ranked games on the slate. Yeah, it's one of those things where you want to see a dominant performance, especially when you think about a team um, – uh, a team of players that we have, you know, the skills that we have. So uh, I just want them to be dominant. I want them to have fun. And like I say, just the lineups, just looking forward to uh, coach playing around with the lineups, see who excels, um, actually seeing Lexi in a uniform and, you know, just, just going out there and doing their thing, you know, having fun. Let's get back to that, that tradition of having fun, um, winning and having fun. So it's just one of those things. Right on. Um, oh, I should have mentioned that up top. Uh, yeah, uh, that game, the Davidson game, will be uh, Sunday, November 12th, 6 p.m., again in Carmichael. Uh, that one is on ACC Network, so you should be able to catch that a little more easily without having to fork out for ESPN Plus or any additional services. Uh, there are, of course, always ways to... Um, Let's say access things that might not, strictly speaking, be ethical if you know where to look on the internet. Um, uh, yeah, I've 
I will absolutely stream games in any way possible if I am missing them for any reason. Um, but hopefully we will have packed out houses in Carmichael for those two. Um, so that is what we're looking for in this upcoming first week of the season. And uh, real quick, we've got some heaters coming up around college basketball in general this opening week. Um, starting, uh, if you have somehow been living under a rock, uh, Number 10, Notre Dame. Number 6, South Carolina. 1 p.m. on Monday. Um, wish they were playing that at a time where more people could tune in. But uh, that will be live from Paris, France, which is extremely, extremely cool. Uh, they brought Notre Dame to literal Notre Dame. Um, and South Carolina. Um, Don Staley did, like, something incredible. Um, I don't know. Listener, I don't know how familiar y'all may be with the committee, who is a diehard um, community of South Carolina fans on Twitter. But um, Don um, basically uh, at one point popped into a spaces they were having and uh, was like, I've got y'all and got them media access and put them on her dime to go to Paris for the game. Um I don't know if y'all been seeing. I know Lowe and B. Terrell have been posting a bunch of stuff from over there. Um, looks like they're just having an absolute blast. So. Dawn is so dope. Yeah. Like yeah. she's just she's just one of those type of uh, former players and their coach that she's just she gets it. You know, it's a difference. She she really gets it, and um, she's dope. That's all I can say about it. She's dope. Yeah. <laughs> and their their fan base is very passionate. Uh, about the women's basketball team. I do follow the committee. I jump on all of their lives when they have them on Twitter or spaces rather. And I I just love listening to them talk. You know, they, of course, praise their players, but they'll also criticize their team too. Yeah, Yeah, but they're just, they're fans overall of the women's game. And I, I think they've done a good job of actually helping to grow the game too. So... I think that was dope that Don, you know, brought a couple of them um, to Paris. So I'm looking forward to this game. I think this is the game that I'm most forward looking looking forward to. Um, I was saying before we started recording, you know, I don't know if Olivia Miles is going to play. I think if she plays, Notre Dame takes the win. If she doesn't play, I think it'll be a close game. But I think Notre Dame still pulls out the win. So I'm excited for this one. I can't wait. Yeah, that's going to be a heater for sure. I Dawn is probably, I was lucky enough to see that 96 Olympic team in person. And Dawn was the, like the, the player on that. Like, she's basically the reason I love women's basketball. Like, and just seeing everything she's done as a player, now as a coach, is just incredible. And she is always writing not just for her players, but the growth of the game. Yeah, she's great. Uh, I'm so crazy. I'll tell you a quick story. I'm so t- I'm so crazy. I took a half a day on Monday. I'm so excited about basketball <laughs> season. I took a half a day. I will be home in my recliner looking at television all day. I'll have the iPad pulled up for yeah. sure. <laughs> I'm excited, man. This is going to be a great season. Yeah, I will. Um, I will be working. Will I have the laptop next to my work computer? Yeah, possibly. More than likely. No judgment. No, no judgment. judgment. <laughs> um, if anybody that I happen to work for for some reason is hearing this, you didn't hear this. You didn't hear <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, Other biggies. Uh, that same day, uh, 
2 p.m. True TV, USC versus Ohio State. This is part of the Vegas tip-off special. Um, that's going to be a fascinating game. I am very, very interested to see what they're doing. Um, particularly, Ohio State, man, Kevin, Kevin McGuff already had a really, really great squad. Um, we had the misfortune to really learn that up close last year in the tournament. But, good lord. Adding Celeste Taylor as like a point of attack in that press defense they run, man, Ohio State's going to be something to watch this year. I'm pretty excited for that. Um, and then a little later on that night, number 20, Colorado, LSU, number one. Uh, that's at 7.30, also part of the Vegas thing. That'll be on TNT. Um, no, no offense to the mighty Buffaloes. Uh, I love you. Love you fighting Kate Fagans, um, but I, I'm not sure Colorado has much of a shot um, in that one. I, LSU won a natty and went out and got two of the best players in the portal, which is unfair. <laughs> yeah, I just wish I just wish they would have did LSU versus Ohio State. I mean, it was it was right there for them to pair them two together. Um, but excited. For both of these games, I think Ohio State probably will be one of the best defensive teams this year. Excited to see Juju Watkins at USC. So excited for that. I can't wait to watch that game to see what she she do in a, a college uniform. And then LSU, again, the number one team, national champions last year. So should be fun. Yeah, that Colorado versus LSU is going to be a great matchup. Um, Colorado, they has the experience. Um, I think what they bring back, four starters. Is it four? Yeah. Four, yeah, four starters. And um, you got LSU, a brand new team, basically. So I'm, I'm curious to see um, how does it balance? And how does it uh, just, just get in the game and, you know, when that experience is needed, whether it's towards the end of the fourth quarter or the, you know, the, or the middle or whenever, I'm just curious to see how that uh, experience plays out. Yeah, curious to see how Haley Van Lith is going to mesh with the team. It'll be so weird seeing her in an LSU <laughs> uniform. She's a Moki Jr. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to, I mean, they're going to be able to cut the just the heel promo of all heel promos with her and Angel. Just the, the smack talk is going to be absolutely off the charts. Like, that, that team is... Um, if I don't know if this is something you can bet on in Vegas, I, I'm not a gambler, but if you had to pick like which team is going to elicit the most texts out of opposing teams over the course of the season, I think LSU is just going to piss enough people off between all the mess Angel and Haley are going to talk that I would put them as a strong favorite. Yeah, I can definitely see that. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, Thursday, man, Thursday might be my favorite slate of anything we got coming up this week outside of, obviously, the heels and being back in Carmichael. Um, number 11, Tennessee at FSU. Uh, that'll be at ESPN 2, 6 p.m. Um, Tennessee, by all accounts, um, everybody's back and fully healthy. Um, I know Kelly Harper's squad has dealt with some injuries uh, the past couple of years that have kind of... I mean, obviously, they've still been good, but maybe derailed them from reaching their full potential. Uh, from all reports coming out of Rocky Top, they look ready to go. And Brooke Wyckoff um, obviously had the Knowles. Uh, 
tuned up and ready to roll. Uh, we covered in detail how absolutely terrifying Tanaya Lotson is already uh, in our last podcast, but that's going to be fantastic. And then, whoo boy, banger right after that. Also ESPN2, 8 p.m., number three, Iowa, versus number eight, Virginia Tech in Charlotte. Um, I was extremely, extremely tempted to book a hotel, get in a car, and drive down there for that. Um, that is going to be an absolute heater. Um, we'll see uh, exactly how Iowa shapes up. Obviously, they still have Caitlin Clark, but they lost some pieces. They lost Monica and Zanano. Um, and who is... Somebody help me out. Who's the other kid? Um, the other big player they lost, who I think at least went late in the draft. Where is my brain? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Well, I predict the ACC to go 2 0. Those are my predictions. Really? You, you think FSU's going to take Tennessee? out Tennessee? Most definitely. I watched Tennessee play. Um, and granted, you know, I, I know when it's a preseason game, you don't necessarily, you know, see, see it all. But yeah, I just, the FSU that I, I can remember from last year and they what they bring it back, yeah, that's going to be. I don't even think it's going to be an upset. Ranking-wise, it'll be an upset. But for the most part, we know what FSU can do. Like you just said, Tanaya. <laughs> oh, she's going to score 40. She's been out, what, six months? She's ready. Speaking of Tennessee, do you guys think this is like a do-or-die year for Kelly Harper? Mm. I mean, because they haven't been like overly successful yeah. since she's... McKenna Warnock, that's the kid from Iowa. Okay. Yeah. I saw it. it, I don't forget who I was listening to the other day, but somebody cracked the joke that it was, you know, it was the law firm of Clark and Zanano last year. And they were like, this year it's just the law firm of Clark and Associates. Right. (laughs) Um, That's an. Okay. So, what realistically, what would Kelly have to do to absolutely be guaranteed that she's staying in the head coach chair? In Knoxville, like if 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 we're saying do or die, what's the what's the cutoff point? I think at least Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. yeah. What has her recruiting been like? She hasn't really bought in that that major recruiting that you know in the glory days of Tennessee. She hasn't been recruiting. Yeah, that's for the a most good part. point. Yeah. Who I, do they have coming? I think in? a lot of her recruits. I mean, you know, a couple of them. You know, it was between us, and you know, thank God. <laughs> came to us i listen if (laughs) i was i was hoping the 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 elder key might uh decide well you know i might want to just play with my sister for a year for my graduate year maybe i'll just come home i was saying the same thing last (laughs) time i was like lord please send her back home (laughs) but i is is the sweet 16 enough for a program with tennessee's history to, to keep and like, I I think there's obviously a problem or not not a problem, but there's a there's a, a mindset of that fan base and especially because they keep bringing in people that you know played for Pat. That, that is it maybe if they do decide to part ways, is it time to to step outside the family and and try something entirely new? Because you know I. Holly Warlick tried. 
Kelly Harper is trying, and the, it's not like those teams have been bad. And I, it's kind of, I mean, it kind of is unfair to be like, well, it's not like it used to. Well, yeah, it's Pat Summit. Of course, it's not like it used to be. Like, what? But is the Sweet Sixteen enough? Given they're sort of just, it hasn't been the same thing. And I, I just don't know that it's gonna be. Um, I, Andrew, do you have any kind of thoughts on this? I, I don't know how much. Um, you're a little bit more plugged into to maybe some some coaching uh, uh, grapevine as far as that. Have you have you heard anything about whether Tennessee might be thinking that way or what what they might be setting as like a reasonable threshold? Um, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Like I haven't watched a ton of Tennessee. I do remember last year when tournament time came. I thought they were ranked, they were seated way too high. Like, I definitely thought UNC should have been seated higher. Because, like, I think Tennessee, I could be wrong on this, but I think they were, like, 1-7 in seven or 1-8 in eight against top 25 teams. Like, they didn't, I don't want to say they were punching down, but, like, granted, they played Virginia Tech, they played Ohio State, Indiana, uh, LSU, UConn, South Carolina, those are really good teams. Like, most of those are top 10, especially by the time they played them. I mean, you're not beating the best teams. Like, even, like, I'm not saying that's easy by any stretch, but you would hope to at least maybe go 3-6, and 4-5. and five. Um, You know, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I don't even pretend to go into the minds of committee voters that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, but they got a very favorable seed. They weren't able to do that much with it. And granted, they did have some injuries. Like, um, But if you're not, if you are going to be seated that high and you aren't able to get to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, I think they need a run kind of like Miami had last year. Uh where maybe, you know, they aren't seated as high and they kind of overachieve based on their, um, based on where the committee puts them. But I mean, one in seven or what, I don't, whatever the number was, but it was their, their record against top 25 opponents was abysmal. Uh, I just don't know how sustainable that is. Um, that's, you know, take that with a grain of salt. That's from an outside perspective looking in. Uh, I don't know what they've done with recruits or transfers or any of that stuff. Um, but at some point, if you are going to be a top team in the SEC, you are going to have to beat those ranked opponents. Yeah, they didn't have not one um, top 100 recruit for 2023. And so far, they only have one for 2024. Um, so it's like, why, why don't the recruits want to go there? You know, that's Tennessee. Like, you know, there's girls out there that probably dreamed of like putting on that Tennessee Jersey. Right. So it's like, why, why aren't they getting those like top recruits? But Well, I think it, this might be showing our age a little bit. Their last national championship was 2008. Those kids were like kids. They're recruiting now. Barely remember 
Tennessee being Tennessee, yeah. like we yeah. think of it. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense as well. It's a whole new era. Like, and that's, I mean, that's certainly a part of it. You know, like, there's, um, there's, you know, I mean, North Carolina's kind of this way too. Like, they, they had that one chip in the Luke May shot year the, on the men's side, but, like, they haven't, you know, they, they're not getting the same recruiting that they used to, and part of that obviously might be to do with the coaching change and the fact that I don't think some of the things that came down the pipe were necessarily Roy's cup of tea as far as the changes in NIL and all that stuff and how recruiting was going to go with all of that. But, like, a lot of teams that we think of that we grew up with being really good, they're just kind of in a different era right now. They're in a different phase. And that's... um. So I speaking of that, um, trying to just kind of round out this opening week here. Um, number fourteen, Maryland. Number six, South Carolina. That'll be one p.m. on Sunday. That is on ABC. They are in Columbia for that game. Um, there's been some weird stuff with Maryland these past couple of years. A lot of transfers out, which is kind of an odd thing, and I. It's hard to know, you know, what the exact nature of things are. And you just, you hope it's not a situation where something comes out later that, oh, the coach was real. Like, I don't think Brenda Freeze is this person, but I would not have thought that about Coach Q up at Syracuse. And that would have been a big mistake because, who boy, that situation was ugly. Um, but it's interesting. And it, you know, Brenda got that title in 06 and has always had consistently pretty good teams, but there's been some weird stuff both with their recruiting and the number of high-profile players transferring out of that program. Um, so be curious to see what they've got cooking there um, this season. Obviously, Maryland has a very long, proud basketball tradition, both men's and women's. Um, but that'll be an interesting test, especially this early in the year um, when South Carolina is still trying to obviously, you know, replace the Freshies who are just one of the all-time banger recruiting classes in history. Um, so that's going to be good. And then um, I'll just be putting this one in the DVR because we'll be in Carmichael uh, for a 6 p.m. tip for our game. But uh, number nine, Indiana, number 15, Stanford. This, I feel like, might kind of be the sneaky heater of this slate. Like, I know Indiana lost Grace Berger, um, who obviously had a pretty good rookie season to the W, but Terry Morin consistently um, has put together some really, really good squads over the past couple of years. And obviously Stanford is, I mean, Tara Vanderveer is one of the OGs, uh, which, um, you know, what is, well, welcome to our future conference mates, the Stanford Cardinal. Um, but anyway, those are the last two. Anybody have any... Thoughts on either of those two matchups closing out week one here? Yes. Uh, Mackenzie Holmes and Cameron Brink. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. Like, that's... I feel like more people, like, aren't talking about that. But that is going to be, like, if you really love good post play, like, really skilled big post play, that's going to be so much fun to watch. Um, you know... Uh, Indiana's lost, you know, like some depth. Uh, I think where they rank nine, 
Does anyone know? Yep. Yeah. Number nine. Yeah. That's that'll be interesting. I, I'm I'm curious. Uh, Sydney Parrish, another one that I'm really looking out to see how she uh, plays this year. Uh, I, I just think it'll be so much fun. I think it'll be really high scoring. Um, I think Indiana will probably speed Stanford up a little bit. I know Pac-12 teams in general, they don't like to play super fast. Uh, the thing about Indiana is they play a great pace. Um, I, I'm I'm just really curious to see, especially that matchup at the five, to see who gets the better of one another in that one. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. I want to see Cameron Brink. I love her game. You know, she can play back to the basket. She can step out. I think she takes a good number of threes, too. You know, possibly a, a future number number one draft pick. So I'm excited to um, to watch her this year. That's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good one. I'm gonna yeah. I will be recording that and finding a way to rewatch that whole thing in full at some point. Um, but anyway, those are the the week one heaters that we kind of wanted to cover. Um, we're gonna try and bring that a little bit to everybody uh, over the course of this season, just in terms of, you know, obviously this is primarily here for the heels, but we're trying to point y'all in the direction of some other games that you might find of interest. Um, and just uh, the more eyeballs, the more fandom we get on the women's game, the more we can do, even if it's just a little bit at a time to grow it is something that everybody is interested in here. Um, but anyway, yeah. This Wednesday, 7 p.m. in Carmichael, opening night of the season. I know everybody here is extremely hoped, hyped, good lord. Um, and I assume if you are listening to this, you probably are as well. But anyway, for the time being, we will log out. We will be back with recaps of the two games we just previewed here and previews for the upcoming games in the future sometime down the line. We are still sorting out exactly how that's going to go. But trust, we will be back. Anyway, this has been Carmichael Radio, a podcast about Tar Heel women's basketball. I am Travis Lund signing off for Anthony Battle. Have a good one. Let's go, Tar Heels. Terry Stacker. Until next time, go Heels. Andrew Kuzea. Go Heels. And in absentia, Max Linky, who would say Go Heels if he was here. Y'all be well, take care, Go Heels. Go Heels.